0: Welcome, everybody, to another brand-new episode of The Geek (gasps) Buddies! Hey! We are are back again for another week of geeky goodness here on this show. Having a little fun talking about everything that's going on in the world of entertainment that appeals to our geek sensibilities. I am one of your hosts. I am the outlaw,
1: John Rocha, joined as always by these two gentlemen, Mikey. I am Michael Vogel, writer and producer of animated TV shows and movies. And on the end there.
2: And this is Shannon McClung. I'm an animation writer and a television actor where you may have seen me on Brooklyn Nine-Nine, The Goldbergs, and Silicon Valley.
0: Yeah, I hear auditionings are, uh, auditions are ramping back up again. Okay, we may see you again in some new shows here in 2021. So exciting stuff for sure. And of course, there Michael's the, got it. A-
2: there is a show that has had me in twice this week. Wow. So- so, wow. fingers crossed. And another show, Mr. Mike Kalinowski was just at my place. We were reading for the same role, so wow. we helped put each other on tape.
1: That I really want to know the role that encompasses both you and Mike Kalinowski's <laughs> vibe, personality, general yeah. appearance. It's a wide net.
0: It's, Is it it's a, a before a and after role? Is it, I'm, I'm just confused. <laughs> like, like I am. Uh, it's a walk I am, into a thing.
2: <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm I'm Bruce Banner, and he's
1: Hulk, stage number three. <laughs> I mean, given his anger issues, that actually does track, oh, so. Yeah.
0: Come on, champ. Indiana Jones champ. Uh, yeah, good stuff. Uh, I've been enjoying Kalinowski on Twitter with him and Brett Gilmore, PJ, going at it over which is worse, Crystal Skull or Temple of Doom. And I retweeted, I said, this is like comparing two piles of horseshit to try to tell me which one smells better. Like, for God's sakes, they both suck. It doesn't matter.
1: Temple uh, of Doom different. does not suck.
0: Oh, really? That's you crazy, like racism huh? in your 80s
1: uh, uh, mm-hmm. movies, do you? We're talking about two different things. If I we're don't. going to hold every <laughs> single movie from the 80s that has any level of racism up, a whole bunch of movies are coming off the list. But yeah. as a Indiana Jones adventure, mm-hmm. racism of the time aside, I think it's a perfectly valid film and lovely you're insane
0: you're an insane person you need help anyway we're gonna get into things here today uh for those who are new, oh hello look at that oh nice 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 but i love raiders and i love last crusade if you just stop there it would have a perfect series um uh, we're gonna get into some things here for those of you who are new thank you very much for joining us here or on the podcast feed don't forget we uh, do we have the show on the podcast feed as well let's say you uh you're busy you're caught up you can't watch youtube you can always subscribe to our podcast feed and the audio drops almost at the same time as the show drops on YouTube so you can listen to it and enjoy it yourself almost. Most
1: most of, it, most, most of the time.
0: Most of the time, I would say, <laughs> most, yeah, most, most, most of, of the enough. time,
1: for most people, we think. <laughs> you know what?
0: You just sit there and talk on a mic. Yeah, I got to do it all work. I'm sorry I let well, you down, Dad. I'm sorry I let you down, Dad.
2: And we did find out that that, that technical glitch right? that was not our fault.
0: It wasn't. So, right, that's another thing, too. That's a great point to bring up here, Shiana. For people who have been tweeting at us about some of the issues with Apple, I did email Apple. They claimed That it was, uh, they did find it, and it was not an issue at all. That there was, but of course, all of a sudden, people got four episodes in one day from us to catch up for the previous week so clearly there was an issue on apple's end looks like they've they've cleared it up if you're still having trouble downloading then please tweet at us and let us know and i'll send them another strongly worded email about the situation but it seems to be fixed at this point all right as i was saying for those of you new thank you so much for joining us here for those of you who have come back every week thank you very much for being a part of the geek buddies train this is how it works each of us brings up geek news item we talk about it amongst ourselves take a little bit of a break for our sponsors and then get into our main topic. And our main topic is Batman. And I hope you can hear that. Uh, some of the certain. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's been a long time. Anyway. Yeah, so we're going to get into all of that. That's uh, going on in the main topic here, but let's get into our three uh, uh, geek news items. Who's first.
1: Uh, I believe that would be me. Hmm uh this had been reported a little while ago as something that was a possibility but disney plus and uh disney have officially announced that they have greenlit a Beauty and the Beast, uh, or I believe it's called Beauty and the Best, working title, eight-episode limited musical series, which is a prequel to the 2017 live-action Beauty and the Beast film, starring uh, Luke Evans and Josh Gad, who are reprising their roles as uh, Gaston and Lafou respectively. And they're joined by newcomer Brianna Middleton, who will be playing LaFu's stepsister, Tilly. Uh, so this is... Coming eight episode live action miniseries, music from Alan Menken, who did all of the songs for the original Beauty and the Beast, obviously EGOT winner. Um, So, set in the iconic kingdom of Beauty and the Beast years before the Beast and Belle's epic romance, this new series will follow Gaston and LeFou as they set off with LeFou's stepsister Tilly after a surprising revelation from her past comes to light, sending the unlikely trio off on an unexpected journey filled with romance, comedy, and adventure. While the mysteries of the past are uncovered and the dangers of the present grow, old friends and new enemies reveal that this familiar kingdom... Harbors many secrets Mm. Uh, and then Gary Marsh, president of Disney television said, for anyone who's ever wondered how a brute like Gaston and a goof like LeFou could have ever become friends and partners or how a mystical enchantress came to cast that fateful spell, this series finally provide those answers and provoke a whole new set of questions. Mm. So that is coming. How do we feel about it? I'm gonna gonna let you guys take that one first. (laughs) I have some thoughts, but uh, what what do you think of this uh, Gaston and LeFou prequel? uh from josh gad and luke evans shannon well as a concept (laughs) i think the fact that
0: disney
2: plus is embarking on doing a musical series uh, a musical kind of period fantasy series as a production that sounds like a very grand undertaking and based off of the disney plus programming we've gotten thus far they're not going to skim they're going to pour a considerable amount of money into this and sometimes we don't know we want something until we've seen it i have not seen this yet therefore i do not want this yet it could come out it could be it could be fantastic like uh, i i might fall in love with this but based off of my reactions to the beauty and the beast live action movie i don't see that happening this has nothing to do With the cast i I, I think josh dad is great i think luke evans is great um i I am really curious to see like oh how do they do a big kind of broadway musical series like i'm really curious about this um but at this point um if this were to go away tomorrow it would not affect me one bit
0: (laughs) yeah um i kind of share your sentiment shannon and i'm sensing i might share the same sentiments with michael which is a rarity uh, when it comes to these kinds of things but i think overall this does not strike me as exciting this does not strike me as interesting because although luke evans was a great guest on and luke evans is a great actor and i enjoy watching him in a million things just saw him in in a in a show on bbc called the premature murders he's a fantastic actor i'm supposed to not like Gaston, he's a dick why do i care about him going on this adventure with lefou um and i also think they're copping out a little bit by making his uh, a big the actress his stepsister god forbid they actually be married to be, you know all of that you roll through so i get what they're doing is you know we want to inject some color want to inject a woman and i totally appreciate that but does it have to be a stepsister why can't they just be like uh, uh already married or what have you in a separate situation i don't know i just in my mind i just felt was a little weird but i get it you know two different looks you want to play that game But overall, this doesn't make me excited to see this thing. I think it'll probably be pretty magical, and it'll be fun. I haven't always been on the Josh Gad train. I do enjoy him as a performer sometimes, and I don't enjoy him as a performer other times. Uh, And it's like Jack Black. Like, I'm not always on the Jack Black train for whatever reason. I just sometimes don't always gravitate to that kind of, look at me, look at me, kind of humor. It isn't my favorite thing. But he was great as LeFou. But I wonder, are they going to lean into the homosexuality of this character or are they going to leave it out in the cold and occasionally hint at it as Disney has been prone to do in certain situations uh, in the past? So, uh, Michael, that's my overall thoughts on this.
1: Yeah, so I think you guys summed up a lot of – I'll lay them out. I'll lay out the pros and cons. Uh, mm-hmm. Pros, some of the Disney uh, you know, – Corella was delightful. Cruella, Emma Stone was great. It was a lot of fun. Um, So is there a world in which they can pull this off? For sure. Alan Menken doing the songs? Giant plus. Like, you say that Alan Menken is doing songs for a Disney project, and I'm automatically thinking, all right, well, at least I'm going to like the song. So that's (laughs) But when it comes to using Cruella as an example, there are certain Disney villains that we love to hate, and then there's certain Disney villains that we just hate, like Cruella, Ursula maleficent these are characters we love to hate them gaston is literally the world's biggest dick and so yeah, he's a sexist he's a misogynist yeah yeah Sorry. trying to make him the lead uh <laughs> the co-lead of a show is great and johnny to your point they made quite a big deal out of lefou's uh sexual orientation in the lead up to the live action movie and then we didn't really get much about that at all i guess you know yep. subtextually you could look at some of his lines in the way that he uh fawned over Gaston and said, okay, that was the motivation. But if you're really gonna do a show where they're the core relationship and you don't dive into that, I think that's a big minus. Um, The other part that makes me super, super nervous is like when Gary Marsh said, like, finding out why the Enchantress made the spell. I said this on Twitter, I'm gonna say it again here. Mm if lafou's stepsister ends up being the Enchantress and every time that I go watch the original animated Beauty and the Beast and that opening comes in, I have to think in the back of my head, that's lafou's stepsister. I'm going to be real pissed. I'm going to be pissed. I don't, want, I don't want it. I don't want it. Yeah. Um, so to Shannon's point, is this something that I could not know that I want? And when I see it, they pull it off and I'm like, wow, they really pulled that off. Absolutely could be. Uh, I would be pleasantly surprised. I would say, wow, we will, we will. I'm sure we will talk about it on the show. And I will be the first one to say, wow, I was not about this, but I am on board. As of right now, the entire concept of seeing an entire eight episode series with Gaston and LeFou as the leads, not, not my Disney basket, baby.
0: Listen, If you're going to be honest to the character that you presented us in Beauty and the Beast of Gaston, he is going to try to sexually assault LeFou's sister the whole fucking time. All eight episodes, he's going to try to get with her. He's going to try to corner her. He's going to try to put her in a situation if he finds her attractive. It's going to be all of that. Or he's going to be sleeping around with a bunch of women making it really uncomfortable. So are you going to have him learning the same lessons that he's tra- that, they, that they were giving crap about uh, in Beauty and the Beast? That's the thing that's dangerous about a prequel. It's like, well, you presented me this character and you had this character go on a little bit of a journey. Not necessarily an arc, but certainly a journey. And then at the end, he gets a comeuppance. So are we gonna keep him a dick throughout? Or are you, God forbid, gonna give me a reason why he became this way because a woman broke his heart? That's gonna be shitty. Man.
1: Well, you you bring up a really good point actually, which is that, you know, in the post-Wicked era, because Wicked was sort of the first book that came out that sort of yes. set up this, like, let's tell, let's tell a different version of this story. Yeah. But I do think that when you look at the Wicked Witch and say, well, let's find out how she became so wicked, or when you look at Cruella Deville and you're like, all right, well, she wanted to kill a bunch of puppies, but you know here's how she went down this road of becoming this crazy right. obsessed person. But most of the time you're dealing with someone who's naturally an underdog in some way, shape or form. And you build like that's how you build the story. Like Cruella was robbing in the streets with uh, Horace and Jasper. Wicked uh, Elphaba was made fun of because of her green skin. But when you look at Gaston, you're right, Johnny. Like when you break down who he is, like he's a sexist misogynist who in the post Me Too era, like nobody has a lot of sympathy for. And so trying to build a story where you're like, well, here's why he was a good guy before he started getting rapey uh it's gonna be a really <laughs> really hard like it's like mm, okay that's why he's rapey I guess cool you know yeah. that's that's a really hard one to to uh to sort of go back and rework and make sympathetic like I I, yeah. I don't know that that's possible and I think the more that you alter the story to try and do that you run problems. Now, maybe Gaston is still going to be the big villain here. Maybe this is more of a LeFou story and you see why he followed Gaston and Gaston will still be the bad guy. And then maybe that'll be great. So it it is really what Shannon said. Like, There's no telling. Although on first blush, I don't think this is anything that anyone is overwhelmingly excited about. Just based on my, my, just seeing people who I, I follow a lot of Disney nerds because I myself am (laughs) a big old Disney nerd. And it doesn't seem like anyone is really uh, rallying to this one just yet. (laughs)
0: Shannon, this is a Han Solo situation it feels like. Nobody asked for a prequel for this situation. A lot of people didn't ask for a solo movie and so you like, is this, you know, we rarely, rarely, like Michael said earlier, like, you know, maybe they might surprise us, but that rarely actually happens once the public is not on board with some casting decision is something else. And overall project, it's rare when a public comes around and goes, Oh, I guess we were wrong. This is something we didn't want. We just didn't know we wanted.
2: It. I mean, I'll push back on that slightly okay. because I mean, I'll I'll always reference the original, the Charlie's angels, the Mick G Charlie's angels, like right. all the stories throughout production, um, were, were that it was going to be a train wreck. Yeah. And it came out, and it was it was actually really great. So I'm not yeah, saying I'm that not- that's what's going to happen with Beauty and the Beat, or the Bright wall.
0: Right, 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 but, right,
2: But yeah, I mean...
0: It- I'm saying with public sentiment is against something, not when stuff's going on behind the scenes. I mean, public sentiment. Is, public sentiment wasn't against that Charlie's Angels movie. The, the, whatever drama was on the set was on the set. I'm saying public sentiment is against this, it seems like, as Michael is highlighting here.
2: Yeah, but I also think in the age of social media, like I think I think public sentiment would have been against Charlie's Angels right. if well, if those stories. It certainly
0: because... was against the Kristen Stewart one. It certainly was against Chris. That's a fair point. So. Yeah, that
2: was not yeah. a good movie.
1: Well, and, to be, and to be fair, and to be fair, I don't feel like this is a uh, like with the Solo thing, particularly mm. when Lord and Miller were removed and everything happened. Like there was definitely public sentiment was I don't agree with these choices. I don't know that Star mm. like I I I think this is going to be bad. This is less of a, I think this is going to be bad, and more of like a, huh? Yeah, yeah, what? good point.
2: You know, point. a perfect a perfect comparison mm. is to us talking about the Wonka prequel two weeks ago mm-hmm. is like, I don't really see a need for this. Yeah. Um, but the more stories that come out, it's like, oh, it's going to be set sort of like in the Industrial Revolution. It's going to be this big kind of, you know, uh, steampunk musical. I mean, yeah. I hear that. I'm like, well, maybe. Um, again, I, I don't you, to foresee be fair, this to be happening.
1: Fair, to be fair, you can the word steampunk and put anything after it. And you're gonna be excited. <laughs> That's Mind <true>. your business. It's <laughs> a fair
0: point. It's a fair point you make there, like. <laughs> Uh, yeah yeah um and you know and so we'll see uh but i just don't unless he's the villain and also lefou in essence is an enabler so you're turning him from what a likable character if he's constantly seeing gaston doing these terrible things he's an enabler at that point because he's not calling him out about it it kind of turns the tide on the character a little bit too or it could i guess it could it's the danger you walk
1: I, I will also say, and then we'll, we can move on, but like yeah. the other part that does make me nervous, I forgot to mention this, uh, that the, the, the series was developed and written by Josh Gad uh, with Once Upon a Time creators, Edward Kitsis and Adam Horowitz. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's Kitsis, Horowitz, and Gad. And I will say that uh, as much as I love the Disney characters and as much as I thought the pilot for Once Upon a Time was really good, Once Upon a Time quickly devolved into let's show off a disney character of the week and the entire bigger story kind of did not rub me the right way as someone who Mm -hmm. really kind of likes these characters so i'm not the biggest once upon a time fan so as we're talking about will they thread this needle correctly will (laughs) they nail this story will they will they figure out how to deal with the gaston of it all the gay lefou of it all I, i will say that given my experience watching once upon a time my Opinion is not that they really will, but we'll mm-hmm.
0: see. Yeah, we'll see. All right, um, where are we off to next?
2: We are <coughs> off to She-Hulk. We just found out last week that uh, Jennifer Walters is getting a, another antagonist in the form of Titania, who's going to be played by Jamila Jamil from The Good Place. So if you haven't watched The Good Place, I believe it's still on Netflix. Very easy to... to, to to go through that show. It, It was one of the most delightful things that has been on broadcast television recently. And she is fantastic. And I think if you look at the cast, that she hulk is kind of bringing together i mean yes you've got your tim roth coming out coming back as an abomination but you also have ginger gonzaga who is a who is also a very very funny performer you have Ren, uh, renee elise uh, goldsberry from yeah. hamilton who also yeah. if you've seen hamilton on disney plus very very funny as well um so titania Give you a little background on this character. She's actually the second Titania from the Marvel from the Marvel comics, but she uh, was created by editor in chief Jim Shooter back in 1984 in the Secret Wars series. Um, she's a rival of She Hulk. She possesses immense superhuman strength, and you know, uh, apparently, she's going to be able to uh, make us laugh as well. So, gentlemen, what do we think of Jamila Jamil entering the Marvel Cinematic Universe?
0: Ooh, Mikey, please.
1: Oh, oh, wow. okay. oh, oh. <laughs> Uh I, th- I think a um, couple things. I think as far as her being cast in this, I think it's great. I think you're 100% right. When you look at the vibe that they're creating here and kind of really hyping She-Hulk up as being more of a comedy, uh, a legal, a kind of a legal comedy, which I think is what She-Hulk should be, uh, you know, just given her work on Good Places to Hani, like, I think she will definitely bring a great sort of... Uh, putting the superhero fighting of it aside for a minute, I think she will play a great sort of rival to Jennifer Walters. I think that if this was just a legal drama and you have sort of like mousy Jennifer Walters and then you have, you know, as, as a... As um Kristen Bell often said in Good Place, Tahani was just huge. Like she called her a giraffe. And I think having this character who's this larger than life character who's gonna kinda strut around looking fabulous, like I think that it naturally makes sense. As far as the Titania of it all, or the Titania of it all uh, you know, it's inter- it's an interesting story. She definitely is part of She Hulk's rogues gallery. She's not the most interesting villain, mm. um, aside from the way that was she was created by Doctor Doom and Battle World and some other stuff, which I which they're obviously not going to do as far as this thing. She's kind of really strong and she robs banks. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? She's kind of like a, a garden level <laughs> thief kind of character. So it'll be interesting to see how they sort of translate her because I think she'll probably go through a bit more of an origin story makeover than some of the other characters in the Marvel Universe have. And so I think it'll be interesting to see what they do. I'm sure that the main reason they picked her is that A, she is one of She-Hulk's rivals and B, she has a level the same level of strength as She-Hulk. So mm-hmm. if you have someone like, like her who's going to kind of come in and play this... uh I'm assuming, big assumption here, but kind of playing something in the legal world that is a rival to Jennifer Walters, who Mm. also gets a level of strength so that she can be a rival to She-Hulk as well, I think that could be a lot of fun. Okay. Johnny, Uh,
0: you you seem to have a different opinion. It doesn't excite me, the casting, I'll be honest with you. I've tried to like her as an actress. I just, just, you know, she seems limited to me, so I don't know... How excited I could be for this situation. Certainly, she's made a great name for herself. She's a fantastic energy, very fun follow on Instagram and social media. She's so smart about her social media, talks like a fan, even though she's getting all these opportunities. Like she just said, when she got this, and she also was announced as one of the voices on uh, DC on the League of so DC Super Pets. She was like, life's kind of crazy right now. You auditioned for this stuff you know it's kind of like you, you know you auditioned for it they didn't pluck you out of nowhere you auditioned for it so this I mean, whole like oh shucks when, this this kind of stuff needs to go but just,
1: I, I i to be fair to be fair yeah, when I'm an gonna actor my
0: point gets, but okay when an actor right.
1: i just want to be clear that when an actor gets an audition they're allowed to be excited about it
0: though of course they are but to play like i'm a fan who got plucked out of nowhere to get that's a different approach but i get it it's a smart social media move to make yourself feel like you're connected with the audience i get it it's smart pr i'm not gonna knock it because certainly she's got millions of followers or whatever but also the other side of this and and, and you know that's a subjective thing right a lot of people do like her as actress. i've seen other people push back on this who didn't like her in the good place or think she's limited i respect all of that in my opinion i haven't seen the good place i've only seen a few episodes She didn't really stand out to me, you know? You you want to show me something, show me Kristen Bell. That would have been interesting. But I I look at the situation, but I also think, but I want to champion it too because she's a woman of color. So to me, that's a positive situation. I think she also came out um, as well, so that's a positive. So putting her in this position, I think, is a good thing in terms of casting. Am I excited about it? Not so much, but I like what it signals in how they're approaching their casting. But the other side of this too, and I really want to bring this up to you guys, and it struck me... As I was thinking about it. By the way, someone said... What, what's her name on the show? Tahini, right?
3: Tahini. Someone, Tahani.
0: Yes. So, Tahani. Tahani? Sorry. Tahani. T- so someone said, it's Tahani playing Titania against Titania. Titania. And so I was like, that's brilliant. guess Titania Mazza. I thought that was really funny to connect Oh, wow.
1: That's...
2: <laughs> i was
0: trying that to get it right is <laughs> i was trying to get it right but T-honey you know,
2: play tahani i'm not gonna get it
0: yeah tahani <laughs> plays to against tatiana so it's it's good stuff there it is but i mean but i mean overall um, i want to ask you guys something about this like to titania is massive in the comics why aren't we looking for women like that in these roles And I'm asking this seriously, because I know Hollywood is very stringent about making women feel self-conscious about their weight and the waifishness and pushing them to lose weight. Well, let's break that. And how do we break that? And this is what I think is so damaging about the Gina Carano situation. She did it to herself, but she symbolized a, a change, a possible change in casting and bringing in women who have normally been kicked out of Hollywood because of their size or their looks or their girth, or, you know, m- you know they've been accused of looking like men, all the terrible shit. You can break that pattern by casting women who look like the characters. We see the men, the men are lifting weights 24 seven. Look at uh, Kumail Nanjiani. Why can't we cast women or encourage women who are cast to get to that size, to look these like the characters in the comics uh, I don't care about the outfit. I don't need to see you in a sexy outfit. I don't give a shit about that. It's more a matter of body type. Why aren't we doing that? And Jemena is, is way fish for us. She is tall. Of course, the joke of the drafting works. But like overall, I just I would like to see this. We could have done a Steve Rogers thing where you cast someone and you kind of adjust their because she's a scrawny person and nerdy person in the comics and then becomes Titania. So mm-hmm. can we do that? Can we make that change? I would like to have seen that. So that's those are my overall thoughts on all of this. I'm not against it. I'm just registering my my opinion. That's it.
2: I mean, she is not tiny. I mean, she's she's almost six feet tall. Yeah, she's not Gina
0: Carano, though. I mean, that's I'm talking about size and muscle. But who who
2: is though? There's not Gina Carano,
0: and there are many women who look like that uh, (laughs) who compete and whatever. Are they actresses? No.
2: The first thing that they're going to go for is: Can this person be the character? And I think that's that's the first prerequisite to okay. playing the role. And okay. you've seen how, I mean, you brought up Camille Nangiani; He was able to get an incredible shape. We don't know that that's not what she's going to do.
1: But
0: I'd also, be very surprised if we see that. But, could, but, yeah, also,
1: but also, we don't know who this character is in this show. Right, I mean, how they're in the in the it. comic books, yeah. in the comic books, she was a to your point, a kind of tiny waifish character that was nicknamed Skeeter by the mean girls at school that then got turned into right. this huge strong character, but I don't think and I could be wrong about this, but given that they're leaning into the Jennifer Walters legal drama of it all and Jennifer Walters is a lawyer, it seems to me that we're not going for, we need someone who looks massive. You're looking Mm -hmm. for someone who's going to kind of fit into this ensemble, into this world who may be a lawyer or a judge or somebody. I could be completely wrong. Maybe she is someone who comes in as an already established supervillain and Jennifer Walters has to represent her. So I'm not saying that I'm right about this, but I think that in this case, the, the... they're leaning in on who do we think can be a comedic fun performer in this ensemble, as opposed to we need someone who's massive. I mean, the same thing happened when uh, Tatiana got uh, cast as Jennifer Walters and everyone was like, why aren't we casting so-and-so and and -and so-and-so? But then you look at the comics and see that the Jennifer Walters part of She Hulk is more important maybe than being like massive and huge. That's why I I never joined that chorus. I never joined that chorus. Yeah. And look, and even though we've kind of traversed this several times, you know, it, it the same thing happened, again, when Ian McKellen was cast as Magneto. Um, the same thing happened when Tom Holland was cast as Peter Parker. No uh, one. You know, like. Okay. I'm just saying. <laughs> no one
0: said we need to cast a muscle-bound Magneto or a muscle-bound you are- Spiders.
1: You're, He's you're big. A thousand percent. Wait, first of all, you're a 1,000% <laughs> wrong. When Ian McKellen was cast as Magneto, even though this was the early days, pre-Twitter, pre-everything else, yeah. you would go to like websites and blogs or Ain't It Cool News, and people were posting pictures of what Magneto looked like in the comics okay. and saying, how can you cast this scrawny British actor? But that wow. 100% happened. And Again, I wasn't Colin, in that camp, so I didn't no, know. Okay. No, I'm not saying you. I don't um, know. I don't know. And when tom holland was cast as peter parker you had people posting pictures of peter parker from the comics with his muscly body and saying that's not it and so i think that even on the guy side we go we do run into this whole like well it doesn't look like the comics but I think Marvel has proven over several years that they do a pretty decent job of casting someone who fits the personality type, who's going to be charming and likable, even if they're a villain. So, I, I, to me, that's less of an important issue. I understand what you're saying about the body, but type they send
0: them into with- the gym, Mike. It isn't like they keep them skinny. Tom Holland is the only one who has stayed skinny, somewhat. Everyone else is like massive. I mean, Chris Evans. Did you saw the pictures of the third of oh, the yeah. third Thor? Jesus Mary Mother of God. Like, I'm just like. How come that is something that we move away from? Is that just a necessary evil? Well, because Hollywood, do, you know, pretty much intimidates women to look wayfish, even though women push well, back against it. But, they also have to work in but, Hollywood. Is that what it but is? But
1: if we're really getting into it, like guys building out their bodies is exactly the same thing as women keeping their bodies skinny. Like it's not mm-hmm. like guys have broken through the stereotype and like oh, guys get to be whatever they want. Those Chris Hemsworth, Hugh Jackman. Everyone who gets cast as a superhero and all of a sudden gets like massively ripped, Kumal yeah. like any of them, it's because there is a there is a expectation, expectation? of what an idealized mm. male body looks like. Sure, sure, sure. Just just as much as there's an expectation of what a female idealized body looks like. So. Yeah. I've never agreed
0: they, with it though. I've never yeah, agreed with it. Hollywood, Hollywood gets both
1: fronts thing. on that. Yeah, that's well, fair.
2: And plus, that's and, fair. and there's there's one other thing. I mean, you're bringing up Thor, you know, Thor four, yeah. and allegedly, like, you know, I haven't seen anything, but allegedly, Natalie Portman is in really really good shape to play Mighty Thor. Like, you know, in the comics, like you can see she she wears a a sleeveless a sleeveless uh, uh, costume, mm-hmm. and she has those muscles, and allegedly, uh, she is rocking some guns on okay. the set so i mean i think I, I think it's certainly possible that if they want jamila jamil to to have some more definition that they'll get her in the gym and it'll happen
0: okay all right i'm just throwing it out there because It just kind of occurred to me after a while, like you know, because with the Tatiana Maslani situation, that's different. She's both just like Ruffalo. I didn't I didn't go, Ruffalo needs to be ripped, you know. It's like Ruffalo's nerdy scientist. So him changing into the Hulk, there's a difference. That's why Tatiana was a great choice, her changing into the and I wonder if the same will mirror with Jamila Jamil. Maybe she's Jamila Jamil and then she becomes Titania when she needs to be maybe, and if that's what they do then I'm I'm all for it. Then I I got no issues or complaints. The other side of it too is her, as I said her being a uh, um a woman of color, her experiencing and things that she's experienced her coming out, that adds even more elements of this idea of being bullied or being uh, feeling other than or feeling mistreated and I hope they do a better job of really laying that foundation than DC did with Cheetah uh, and Minerva in that situation, which I think was there. They just didn't go all, they didn't really lay the foundation as strongly as they should have. So hopefully they do that here in this situation. As I said, can I you, may have my issues, but I don't have a problem with her getting the role.
1: Can you just warn me the next time that you're going to bring up Wonder Woman 84 so I can prepare for it? It's just, I almost, it just it struck me really hard. I don't, I, sometimes I, I try and pretend it didn't happen. So when right. you bring it up, it just hits me in the side of the head. You just need to give me a little warning next time.
0: What's your wish?
1: What's your wish? Oh, yeah, anyway. All right. <laughs> all right, let's the movie, uh... It's the movie that gave me covid.
0: <laughs> it gave me you covid, you're right.
3: I saw it.
1: I saw I watched it. I watched it in my friend's backyard. We were all socially distant. The next morning I woke up, I had a sore throat. Covid. You do the yeah. math.
0: Socially mm-hmm. distant. I did the math and I put socially distant mm-hmm. in there in the x squared category. I put socially distant right in that math. So mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> anyway let's move on before we get in trouble it looks like that's coming out next year from what we were seeing 20, in the 2022 yeah okay so moon Knight. it's gonna be a busy year 2020 moon night's coming out uh and a number of other disney plus series so it's gonna be exciting for sure uh, let's move on to this situation i want to spend too much time on this but i i, I appreciate that you gentlemen allow me to put this on the rundown here i want to talk about this in the heights situation in the box office it's been kind of infuriating me over the last few days some of the takes and some of the quote unquote analysis that i've seen about this for those of you who don't know uh the predictions for in the heights uh the musical from uh, john, director john m chu uh co-written by lin-manuel branda based on the uh musical broadway musical he he uh, uh was very successful with um it was projected to make 20 million dollars it only made 11 million dollars and all the analysts have been trotting out the same tired old takes. Oh, uh, the trailers didn't do anything. for The marketing was terrible. Uh, you know, th- there's no stars in it. Uh, people don't like musicals. Uh, there's no villain. Uh, there's no standout song. And um, I, 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 I am very upset about this because the one thing they're not saying, and this is my belief, really believe this, is I think racism played a distinct part in this. On both sides of the political spectrum, liberals and, and and conservatives, I think people didn't want to go see a Latino story. I think people have preconceived notions about Latinos and about Hispanics, and they didn't want to go see this story. Now we saw some complaints of uh, of, of Latinos of darker skin complaining that they weren't represented in the movie, and I think it's a fair complaint, and I appreciate Lyman Miranda coming out and saying, "Hey, you know, I'm listening." Absolutely, we'll do better in the future. John M. Chu said the same thing. Um, and of course, I've got my feelings about that. I'm like, let us get a let us get this movie, and then we'll definitely start looking at all the colors under the rainbow on the Latino side of things, but let us get some success. But having a film that underperforms isn't gonna open the door for more films to happen. And I believe, truly believe, that it was liberals and conservatives, uh, the number of people across the country, regardless of political party affiliation, who just didn't care. About going to see this musical that has all these universal themes of love, of being young, of chasing your dreams, of having your dreams possibly taken away from you because of people in power abusing you, of, of of celebrating your community, of leaving your community and what that means. So many of these things have been universal themes in so many films that weren't musicals and were musicals, yet somehow this one underperformed. What do you think about the box office general? What do you think the reasons were? Uh, overall,
2: well, quick question: You think yep. racism kept people out of the theaters? Is that yes? Okay. yes. And,
0: and I'm not talking about like horned racism. I'm talking about that no, 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 subtle no. racism that they whisper. Some liberals sometimes horned? whisper about, yeah, like evil racism. You know, like like, evil, me- like like Mephisto. I'm not going with Mephisto. That's your thing. I'm not touching that. <laughs> but but I just think not 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 that kind of overt racism that you yeah. see from the maggot crowd sometimes i'm talking about even liberals who whisper their racism to each other when they're amongst each other that kind of thing i'm not going to see that movie. So my, That's my, a- my
1: thought
2: about that is is i i don't necessarily agree like i i don't know of anyone that didn't go see it in the theaters that wanted to go see it in theaters um uh, i i think part of it is it it's a musical uh theaters are are just opening back up still i mean you look at
0: quiet place made 100 million dollars bud
2: yeah, okay, bud.
0: I'm just saying <laughs> a, go-
2: a horror a horror horror movie, are opening up. A, no, a horror movie is different than a musical. And if you look at The Greatest Showman That had a huge movie star in it. It opened in more theaters with less Mm -hmm. money than In the Heights did. And it went on to make over $400 million globally. Mm -hmm. I think the true test of In the Heights will be the legs that it has. And typically, uh, uh, that's what happens with musicals. They may not open huge, but they stick around for a long time. Universally, it has been praised. Everyone says this is a great movie.
0: Yes, it is
2: just because people didn't go into the theater right away the doesn't mean that it is an out and out bomb. I mean again that people wanted to say that about greater Showman, and then it was yes. it was in theaters for 6 months which nowadays that is unheard of.
0: Do you so, really believe that's going to happen here?
2: I well, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I mean I
0: believe it won't. I believe it won't. Well, I mean only time because will tell. Because of racism.
2: Yeah. Go ahead. I'll, I mean only time will tell, but okay. but also it was available on HBO Max, I think there's probably a segment of the movie going population that doesn't understand that a big musical like this is probably designed to see on a big screen. I mean, people might, might save their big screen dollars for for Godzilla versus Kong, like they want that spectacle, they may not understand that these, uh, these choreographed numbers are meant to be seen on this gigantic screen. Um, Again, I think it's just gonna, it's just gonna, it's just gonna take time. Honestly, that's, that's what I think.
1: Okay, Mike, uh, I think a couple things. One, I don't I don't know that racism didn't play a part, but I don't think it was the only reason. Um, I was reading that even in some theaters that were predominantly Latino, uh, yeah. on the weekend that In the Heights came out, uh, Latino audiences went to go see The Conjuring and Quiet Place, too, more than In the Heights. So, mm-hmm. you know, the, part of the issue is that even the Latino community did not necessarily come out to see In the Heights in the way that... Uh, the Asian community rallied behind Crazy Rich Asians or the black community rallied behind Black Panther. So that Mm -hmm. does play a part of it. Now, do I think that there's some people that are like, I don't want to see this movie about dreamers and Latinos. This is not my thing. I think that's absolutely 100% true. I think that is accurate. But I think there's that that can't be all that there is because there's an equal number of people that do despite uh, any sort of underlying racism like would go support that movie and so i think that i think the people that know of in the heights went to go see it i think that the the other challenges in addition to potential racism that there are i don't think that hbo max played a huge factor because from what i've heard from some internal sources it's done just as bad if not worse on hbo max as it did in theaters you know i heard from one one some one person that i know that works over at hbo max uh, said that as bad as you could think of it as a flop, it was worse internally mm-hmm. as far as the numbers there. So I don't think it's a matter of people, and we've seen with Kong versus Godzilla and other things that you can have a movie on streaming and it still does really well in theaters. I think that part of the issue is that In the Heights, I know In the Heights, I'm, I'm a huge fan of the music. Yep. I've been excited about it. I think that it's hard to tell somebody what In the Heights is about as a movie mm-hmm all by aside from it's about the Latin experience. It's about the Latin experience. It's about living in Washington Heights, but the story is kind of, I don't mean this in a bad way, but it is all over the place. It's about, it's, it's about a bunch of different characters doing Mm -hmm. a bunch of different things, but they not having an antagonist, not having a drive. Like you say, go see wicked. What's it about? It's the origin story of the wicked witch. Got it. Mm -hmm. Go see Mm -hmm. the greatest showman. What it's about. It's about P.T. Barnum. Mm -hmm. Sure. It doesn't have anything to do with P.T. Barnum's actual life and it's all fiction, but it's about P.T. Barnum. Sure Um, Cats. Dancing cats, uh, you know, like in the Heights, it's hard to say this is what it's about in one sentence. It's hard to I get can. it.
0: I can. Very easily. Very easily. For young dreamers and their desires to either get out of the, uh, of the their of their community to pursue their dreams or bring their dreams to life and pursue love at the same time in their relationships. And you know who the villain is? The systemic racism within this country. That's what the villain is. And yeah. it's very prevalent throughout the whole fucking movie. What the villain is, and Listen, so this is you, people copping out with this stuff, or people not, saying there's not a standout. I'm not saying you. I'm saying there's not a standout song. There's ten great songs in that musical that can easily be the standout songs. Problem is, most of them, or some, a lot of them have Spanish words or in Spanish, and so maybe you don't connect to them. And I just wonder about this. How many people went to see Hamilton because they're massive history buffs? Like that's the thing at the end. What makes the difference here? I'm but, really trying to figure it out.
1: Well, but part of the difference is, I mean, I saw this as an analogy. I don't think it's completely appropriate and apt, but mm. in the heights, definitely put Lin-Manuel Miranda on the map as far as Broadway goes. He's a right. Tony's so and one of the things, but he didn't become the household name that he is today. That happened with Hamilton. Hamilton right, you're right. was a lightning in a bottle, a the level of a level of success that most musicals never attain except for a handful. Mm. And someone said making the movie version of In the Heights is the equivalent of turning american graffiti into a musical after star wars became successful it mm-hmm. was it was lin manuel miranda's work uh, warm-up act to hamilton yeah um and I so i think and but like even just going back for a minute to your sentence yeah. your sentence about what in the hype about is correct mm-hmm. but it's not the thing that like gets people to turn heads and run into a theater like the musical the, the rap musical version of alexander hamilton and our forefathers is a very clear pitch The Mm -hmm. here are four characters who some of them want to get out of the barrio some of them don't want to get out of the barrio all of them have little dreams they're trying to bring them to life, they can not bring them to life because systemic racism is the big bad guy isn't necessarily the hook that you go into pitch to people that go oh I gotta go see that one. And i'm saying that as someone who I love in the heights I Mm -hmm. loved the I loved the musical. I loved the movie. Yeah. I think it was great from top to bottom. I think John Chu did an amazing job. Like I think yes. every performer in that movie was amazing. I think there's some breakout stars in that cast. So I, this Absolutely. is not me dogging on the movie at all. Um, and, I, and I do not disagree with you that there are definitely people out there that did not want to tune in or go to a theater to see In the Heights because they don't relate to, La- to the Latin experience or they don't mm-hmm. feel like that's their kind of story. I- I'm not disagreeing with you at all if that's true, but I don't think that that fully accounts for why it did not... Make more money. Even just given the Latino community coming out in droves to see the movie, should have it should have done better than the eleven million that it made. But
0: less that's less that's. Again. you But I'm going I'm to school you on something, and as I'm going to tell you straight up, as a Latino, Latinos turn on other Latinos. Latinos can be racist towards their own people, towards the different countries they come from. They're, they're just because Latinos didn't go out. It's eighty. I mean, that uh, New York. I was reading the article, LA Times. That New York, forty percent. That was the overall number of people of Latinos that went to see this movie for the ticket buying situation. So that's a part of the racism too. Hey, I'm not Puerto Rican. I don't want to see a story about Puerto Ricans. I'm I'm Brazilian or I'm South American or I'm Mexican. I don't give a shit about that. That happens within our community in large numbers. It is a very difficult thing in our community. That's why you saw these people coming out and saying, hey, where are the darker skinned Latinos in these movies, in this movie? Where are we? And that's that anger that is always there. You know, it's never enough. No matter what we do, it's one of the big reasons why we can't come together as a community because we end up fighting amongst each other about who should be, you know, who's the actual, you know, real Latino country, a real Hispanic country. It's incredibly frustrating. And so it's not, Do you know, how many Latino fans or Latino people who hate me in the schmodown, I can't tell you how many Latinos have reached out to me in Spanish to complain about me as a person, not as a character, as a person. So it happens and it's super frustrating. And it's something we struggle with all the time. In our community, so to see it here, kind of play out in this way, I think I think racism was a very strong part of this thing, uh, and there's no way to disprove that
1: uh, or prove that,
0: you know. And so I wonder, but uh, I mean, I I see the other points. Some people said the marketing. I thought the marketing was excellent. They spent twenty three million dollars. I on don't the think. Yeah,
1: yeah. I don't think you can blame the marketing. I mean, they marketed yeah. the shit out of that. They movie. really I, did. It was, it yeah. was everywhere. So I, I, don't. I think that Warner Brothers did a great job marketing it. I think leaning into John Chu as the director of Crazy yeah. Rich Asians and Lin Manuel Miranda as the mind behind Hamilton was super smart. I think that was definitely the way to go. Look, I think the other good part about this is the movie, from a review standpoint, has it's like at ninety seven percent on Rotten Tomatoes. It like is. this is this is, is, is not. Is. Awesome it's not a matter of uh critics loved it and audiences didn't or vice versa i mean this is very much a if you go watch the movie chances are statistically you're really 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 gonna like this movie yeah Yeah. it was just that people didn't go see the movie
2: do you think they should have put even though his role was very small do you think they should have put lin-manuel miranda on the poster
1: lin-manuel miranda is on the poster right He's out, and his I, name is corner. on the poster yeah They're but the bottom left corner
2: i uh i i just saw the one with anthony Ramos and cora hawkins and the, the two but that, gals
0: but that's the thing at the other. Uh, and i know we got to move on but like this idea of no stars plenty of fucking films have succeeded with no stars I, plenty of films have succeeded i mean who the fuck knew who roberto benigni was and then he comes out with life is beautiful only in italy do they know him. and then he wins the oscar or uh, jean dujardin from the artist Nobody fucking knew these people. They went and see these movies. So that's the thing at the end. And this is a, this film should be nominated for a best picture. It is that kind of quality of a film, in my personal opinion. And so it's like the plenty of films. Who knows Billy Bob Thornton until Sling Blade came out? This idea that not having the stars doesn't sell movies is a bunch of horseshit. It's if people want to go see it, why didn't people want to go see it? When all the reviews have been stellar, the marketing is great. What's the real reason? And to me, I dig underneath. And to me, it's an ugly truth that is whispered about uh, and oh, and yelled about on one side of the political spectrum and whispered about on an other, but I think that's part of it or a big part.
1: I, I, I don't think you're I mean, whether whether that's the big part or the overriding part, I think all the other reasons to to what you were saying with the article when Sean mm. was saying, I think those other reasons are also valid, like musicals. Yeah are are tougher sells. musicals do better in the winter than they do in the summertime like and yeah. and we are living in a weird time where people are just going back to the movies they're definitely going out to the movies they really want to see so i don't think that yeah that's the that's soul what i'm reason either yeah, but i think yeah. that all of those things combined with what you're saying which is mm. people either actively not wanting to support a film uh, about a latin community or just feeling like this is not my movie or i don't really know what this is about or i don't know that i want to see this which is also a level of not understanding what it's about in racism in some ways as well mm. um yeah. it all sort of combined to make this movie that everyone who's seen it loves not do as well i'm with shannon that i hope it has long legs uh me too no. as, i, I as, hope it does as, too as, as Abuela Claudia says, paciencia y fe. Let's just be patient. <laughs> have faith. Let's see how it goes. Uh, but uh, but yeah, so we'll yeah.
0: see. We'll see. We'll see. All right. Well, I just wanted to have – I trust you guys' opinions very much, so, so i like to have a discussion about that kind of thing. So hopefully you all uh, enjoyed our discussion on this as well. So let us know in the comments section what you think about what happened and uh uh, what you think was the reasons for that as well and anything we talked about on the first section of the show let's take a quick break we'll get into our main topic Well, michael's gonna school us on batman's activities we'll be right back after this what is i
1: go ahead mike you guess i don't really know what was happening there i, I was like was that a are we i really should have
2: added i really should have added the lyrics let's get it on. oh wow,
1: wow. Ah!
0: i don't think he's even on point on that one all right well there you go uh michael take us into the main topic here and let's get a let's have a discussion about this
1: i am so excited to talk about this uh uh Justin Halpern and Patrick Schumacher, who are the creators of the animated Harley Quinn, which is currently uh, airing on HBO Max, and they are working on the next season, the first two seasons are available, they're working on the third season right now, Uh, they were being interviewed, and they... In an effort to talk about how great it's been working on Harley Quinn, we're saying how awesome it is that they get to focus on the villains as the main characters, because the main mm-hmm. characters in this show are Harley, obviously, uh, Dr. Psycho, uh, Mr. Freeze, uh, Bane, Poison Ivy, like they get to deal with the, ba- the bad guys instead of the good guys. And they were saying how freeing that is. Um, and the example that they used was to just say that like, uh, you know, in the third season of Harley Quinn, for example, there was a moment where Batman was going down on Catwoman and DC was like, you can't do that. You absolutely cannot do that. And they were like, why not? Why do do heroes not do that? Are they, are you saying that heroes are selfish lovers? And DC was like, no, it's that we sell consumer toys for heroes. It's hard to sell a toy if Batman is also going down on someone. (laughs) So their point that they were trying to make was just that, given that DC has a lot more riding on the heroes, they are a little bit more strict with what they allow the heroes to do, um, and that the villains can get away with a lot more so that they have a lot more fun on the show was the point that they were trying to make. But all really anybody heard, uh, and it it was the quote heard round the internet because it made the rounds real quickly, was DC says Batman won't go down on Catwoman because heroes don't do that. And so, for the past forty-eight hours in the Twitter lands, uh, there's been a very, very uh, colorful discussion about exactly why heroes can't go down on women and why they don't do that. And if Batman doesn't go down on women, why is the whole bottom fat face of his part of his mask open? Why else would you do that? And uh, it's been it's been a rip roaring ride with the memes yeah. on Twitter. So what do you guys think about this first of all uh what what do you think about dc giving a note like this uh and what do you think about this conversation in general and why do you think people have been so tickled by it as uh, conversations about heroes going down on women has been raging across the internet
0: uh shannon okay
1: uh <laughs> I want to see Shannon. I want to see. I want to see Shannon get oh. through this conversation on any yeah. level. Is really the main reason that I wanted to talk <laughs> about
3: this today was to watch how
1: uncomfortable Shannon was going to get having yes. and, and how many euphemisms he was going to use so that he didn't say <laughs> going down on a woman.
2: So you guys know I can be uh, a, a tad prudish with some of my humor, and be. Especially yeah. when it relates to uh, uh, to comic books, to, to pop culture. Mm. Um, it seems like this was probably a gut reaction note that was given to them that the uh, executives over at DC and Warner Brothers could never have anticipated that the showrunners were going to let out in an interview. <laughs> um, so Harley Quinn as a show, I mean, I was a bit iffy from, on it from the beginning because I was just like... I. You know, I don't know if the comedy's landing, but also I'm like, this is on a service that is easily accessible by kids. I don't know if this is like the the best thing to do. Um, after watching the show, I'm like, my God, that is it is really really funny. Mm-hmm. Um, I still am kind of like, I don't know if kids should have act- kids definitely shouldn't be watching this show. You need okay. you need to you need to be a little older. This is an R-rated show. Mm-hmm. So the idea uh that batman does not uh uh orally gratify his partner oh. so <laughs> i think is probably not accurate <laughs> I, I i would get the sense that he's a man he's a, a robust and um probably oh. quite quite skilled in, in 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 oh man you guys have really got me on the spot let's
1: do it <laughs> oh, Hello, great. i wish I, I wish oh. i had popcorn right now this is no no oh,
0: shit this is fantastic keep going the floundering is beautiful. I mean, seriously, look at oh this my
2: guy. gosh, Some of my relatives watch this.
0: Oh, <laughs> do they really? Oh, I apologize. Yeah.
2: Uh, so basically, the idea that Batman doesn't do it—I I don't think—is probably correct. Taking it out of the show, mm. I, I, I don't necessarily agree with the reasoning that heroes that that heroes don't do that. But I would not have put that that visual in the show either and to my knowledge like it's been it's been a second since i've watched all of Harley quinn i don't think we've seen any characters do that yet i think that is a that is an incredibly graphic shot that probably is best left not in the show
0: did anybody not see the killing joke he is getting ridden by barbara gordon on top of a building what the fuck are we talking wow. about? Like to me, that's yeah. I know it's a terrible. I agree, it's a terrible animated <laughs> film. I mean, at least the first twenty minutes are pretty fucking terrible. Then you get into the actual panel by panel interpretation of the Killing Joke. But like, oh, man. he is—he's had the sexes. He's had the stuff. I mean, if you're gonna talk to me about, it, we gotta sell a toy. So it's okay if the woman is writing him, which is a predominant It can be seen as a um, alpha male situation. But the fact that he is down on her makes Batman seem lesser than and submissive. I think that's what this is really about. This isn't about selling toys or any of that shit. If he was banging uh, ladies left and uh, if you're having sex with women left and right as Bruce Wayne in the past, just like James Bond in the past has been a thing. I don't think DC would have an issue with But because it's him being in a submissive position, it's ridiculous. And let's make Shannon a little more uncomfortable here. Batman doesn't go down without a fight, right? Without a fight, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, this one here, Batman proposed to Catwoman. You know he eaten. I will eat it. Though that's why she left him at the altar. There's a little, a little Tom King. And this one I think is my favorite one. Take me down to Gotham City where the justice is done and the Catwoman is pretty. I love that. So you know these are the things that you see. The great memes. I love the creativity of people on the internet when they go down this. But this is such a ridiculous situation. That being said, though. I get it from the studio's point of view because they're very precious about these characters. They're very precious about the branding around their male superhero characters. They're very precious about this shit. But, you know, what did you expect? Harley Quinn has been getting all kinds of love as it pushes the boundaries more and more of what it shows there. And so why wouldn't they open the door to this possibility? It's their Batman on their show that does this. It's okay I, apparently for all the other characters to do the weird shit that they do on the show uh, or do the stuff that they do on the show or be open with their sexual sexuality but somehow Batman going down on Catwoman is an issue it just seems weird. I wonder if they would have the same issue if Catwoman was going down on Batman. I wonder if there would have been that kind of or, or would they have defaulted to what Michael said, well she's technically a villain so it's okay.
2: No, I, I think I think 100% that would not have made it into the show either. Really that, that is that okay. is my guess. Well, that is my guess. Well
1: like you are when you talk about how graphic of an image I listen, as adult as Harley Quinn as a series is, I don't think that the issue was that they showed Batman going. Oh, down of course Catwoman. not. Well, like would see it was his head in, it was the in labs, service. I it was in service of a joke. I would imagine mm-hmm. in typical, this is the way the joke works. Ah. Catwoman is talking to somebody on the phone, or talking to Harley, or doing something, and says something, and then Batman's head comes up, and that's the joke. I mean, right. I don't think that this was an issue of we're not going to have this graphic sexual moment. Oh no, in of, a course not. Show. of course not. Of course not. Uh, but I think even the implication it's in not a, a jokey show. way. It's, it's not that, a kid's show. Fair. Yeah, not a kid's <laughs> show, <not a> kid <laughs> show. I, mean, well, what I are let, your kids it. Mean, I mean, I'd let my kids watch it, but that's just me. <sighs> um, but I think that, uh, but I think that the point being, the point being that this wasn't an issue of like, they were going to like, show graphic nudity or a sex scene. Right, like, right, in, the, right. in the tone of Harley Quinn, that w- it would have been done for the joke that Batman, Batman's head comes up and Selena Kyle says, no, you're not done. And he goes back down or something along those lines. Mm. And the fact that that, I will say that, to Johnny's point, Killing Joke aside, because Killing Joke is, as much as I love Killing Joke when I was a kid, is a problematic story to begin with, and the solves that they tried to make when they made it into a DC direct animated film did nothing but make the problematic parts more problematic. Don't come for us,
0: Azarello, don't come for us. Go ahead,
1: yeah. but, uh, (laughs) But I do think that Johnny is right in that they have no problem showing Batman having sex with Barbara Gordon in, in, in a in a not super graphic either but in a you clearly see what's going on and you and a younger know woman. what's happening there and, and yeah. that made it past the DC executives but a joke about Batman going down on Catwoman like there is a double standard and i think look to make it into a broader point i will say this is the homosexual who doesn't uh this is an area that i shall not traverse in my life Mm. but uh i do think that there is a bit of a double standard when it comes to uh pleasing a woman in that way
0: yes and it's always been it's a stigma with men all the time and it's been a people you've heard songs about it in rap where they made it seem if you go down on a woman you're lesser than uh and others like we've seen it uh you've seen true romance his samuel jackson's cameo in that film he talks about i go down a woman i eat the butt i do all of it you know and so. There is that stigma of breaking that kind of stuff in certain communities that going down on a woman is seen as submissive to a man, where a man receiving oral sex is not submissive to a woman. It's what's expected. And I think that's what this plays into that I think is wrong in 2021 to have any kind of conversation where it is an equality in the approach to it.
1: I just want to reiterate to everybody who is listening to this podcast right now that you are only seeing half the show because you are missing out on shannon McConnell's <laughs> squirming <laughs> and rubbing of the face Woo! and the cringing oh, it is super prude ladies and gentlemen this might be the highlight of my week <laughs> orlando's <laughs> own shannon McConnell. <laughs> take it away take it away
0: but don't you think shannon don't you think it plays into a little bit of the whole the old the uh, old dynamics that how, how people view men Sexually versus how they women view women sexually, it's it's a bit unfair nowadays.
2: Oh, oh, you, you, oh, I completely agree. I, I mm. think the double the double standard is real. I, yeah. I mean, the, my point of view is across the board. I wouldn't traverse in anything <laughs> when it when it comes to this. It, to me, this is, this is private. This is behind oh. closed doors. This takes place in the privacy of, of one's home or or someone else's home. Um, yeah, this is this is. I-
0: Wait, I, I think you could run down the list of DC superheroes to see who goes down and who doesn't.
2: I think this is a great conversation to not be recorded. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, this, will be on, this will be on Geek Buddies after dark. This will be I, would be, Buddies.
2: I would be much more willing to contribute because <laughs> I certainly have ideas and jokes.
0: <sighs> I'm going to share them right now.
1: <laughs> you know, Booster Gold goes down. You know, Booster Gold goes down. Oh, listen. Uh, I think, I think if you're a real hero, you always go down. That's, that's a fair point. Absolutely. That's, that's, that's what I think. Um, to please your woman, son. Yeah. I do think, I will say one other thing though, that I do think is funny. And I think this is apropos of DC in general, but I think mm. it's also a funny thing about our society just to bring up is that Uh, The DC Direct movies, Harley Quinn for sure. Uh, Even season three of Young Justice when it was on the streamer when they knew they were making it for the streamer and not for TV uh, shows pretty graphic violence. I mean Harley Quinn like the level of blood and violence and gore and explosions also done more often than not for comedy is huge. And I just do think it is very, it is an interesting thing about our society that when it comes to what we're okay with kids watching or what we don't, what doesn't bother us as much, massive amounts of violence, dismemberment, like we are super, super cool with, we don't, it doesn't bother us at all. But boy, you start talking about like a man going down on a woman or something of a sexual nature and you see people just get. Their butts clench real, real tight, real, real fast, and chance, it is something that I think. Yeah, I mean, Shannon's it, butt it, it is, it is it has, like this. It hasn't been unclenched for the last yeah. fifteen minutes. <laughs>
0: he's elevated three inches off the chair.
2: I'm, I'm, I'm actually hovering right now. Yeah, yeah.
0: This is, this is the first time he's ever been taller than both of us on screen while oh, sitting God. down. I mean, it's incredible. Yeah,
1: but no, and it is, and so I do think I do think it is kind of interesting. Look, I think that Shannon is right. I think those DC executives never in a million years thought that everyone in geek it's like i said on twitter yesterday that like dc was over there like how do we get these guys to not talk about the Snyderverse anymore we need to get them (laughs) off of this and then this came along and they were like i i posted that gift from the matrix it was just like not like this oh not like this (laughs) like they're they're like they're over there just I'm sure they are so furious right now that the entire internet is having a graphic discussion about Batman's sexual prowess. (laughs) Uh,
0: Which completely kills the whole point of them telling them not to do it because now it's out there now everyone yeah. is talking about it exactly the thing you wanted to avoid is happening out there and you're a fool if you don't think 14 and 15 and 12 year olds and 16 year olds are talking about this they are they're absolutely talking. go oh, on tiktok there's all kinds of shit on there man I mean, it's just hilarious uh about this kind of stuff so and, it and more than on.
2: likely if the joke played out the way vogel described it that it was just sort of yeah. his head popping up had that joke just made it into the show I guarantee you that people yeah. would not be talking about it nope. as much as they're talking about this.
0: <laughs> not at all. They would have thought it was a cool moment and moved on. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. But this makes it all the more uncomfortable for so many people to discuss. I, I would have loved to have been in the room, and this was just the silence that would have met this proposal. I would have loved to have been in the room, snickering in the corner as DC executives were just like mouth wide open, pens dropped on the table. Oh, you? Uh, no, no.
2: I like. <laughs> the- <laughs> I like that in John's view of WB execs that's parliament from the late eighteen hundreds in yeah.
1: England.
0: It's all the people from <laughs> do,
1: but, but,
0: but, I mean, down.
1: You do have to like look, I like, like you know, as we talk like I worked at Hasbro. I know that like toy people when it comes to like selling oh, to yeah. selling to selling to kids, selling moms, I I I understand their reasoning a little bit, but also I don't. Yeah. Because if you really look at, you know, like you know dc marvel like they're trying to they're selling action figures all over the place it wasn't a problem that tony stark was sleeping with every woman when right Man came out uh bruce wayne part of his persona is to be a playboy. playboy yep uh you know so this whole idea like not only do you have superhero male superheroes who are uh who, who who actually do have sex. I mean, that's pretty, you know, like, every, but like that a lot of them have lots of sex with lots of different partners. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so this idea that like, well, that's okay, but this isn't, it really does get to the stigma of uh, giving a woman oral pleasure, Shannon.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's the oh, Puritan God. approach,
1: right? This it corrodes be, all the media we create. My favorite, favorite geek buddies, <laughs> top 10 geek buddies of all time right now. <laughs>
0: Uh, but it corrodes right this idea of puritan puritanism know we got to wrap up but this idea of the puritanical approach to sex it bleeds into our superheroes oh they mate for life one person lois lane that's it uh you know it's that kind of thing black canary that's it you know it's you see that and you just like, well, no, that's not actually true. And it's okay to have multiple sexual partners. You're trying to figure out who you are as a person and where you're going and who fits and who doesn't fit. And that's ca- that makes you a human being. Uh, you know. So uh, it's, uh, that kind of stuff hopefully needs to stop uh, at some point. Because it also by having them be that way, you're implying that that's what you aspire to because superheroes are supposed to be stuff you aspire to. So you're essentially saying if you sleep with a lot of women or sleep with all the men, you somehow aren't worthy to aspire to that and that shouldn't be the way that things go down in a subconscious level
1: i'll tell you one thing yeah yeah i bet plastic man is great oh yeah
0: plastic man is great
1: a like, threesome with you're... plastic
0: man and elongated man that's a long night but that's a long i night. mean
1: for me yeah for you guys oh okay no. that's, not your, that's not your jam but like whew, I'll, I'll take it uh, figuratively and literally yeah you chinese <laughs>
0: You'd be a Chinese finger trick, that's for sure. Uh, all right, anyway, let's uh, – <laughs> I had to break you. I had to break you. I had to break you, and I did. All right, let's wrap it up there. Thank you all so much for watching this episode of Geek Buddies. Uh, we appreciate it, Manly. We hope we haven't assaulted your puritanical ears, and if we have, we apologize. Uh, it was all in just and fun, uh, and we hope you, hey, you haven't lost you as a fan or a listener to the show. Uh, Shannon, what do we have to tell em?
2: Yeah. If you'd like to follow (laughs) us on social media, on Twitter, it's at geek underscore buddies on Instagram at the underscore geek underscore buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media, on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore on Instagram at Shannon the Geek Buddy. If you'd like to follow those two heathens, uh, (laughs) (laughs) Mike Vogel is at MK If you'd like to follow Mr. Roca, it is at the Roca Says. Thank
1: you. Mikey? (sighs) uh if you if you would like to listen to more race theory from john roca and sexual tips on how to please your woman from shannon mcclough we want you to keep listening to the geek buddies uh and for us to keep doing it here's what we need you to do we need you to smash that like button below uh oh, smash to johnny oh, oh boy smash it just smash that like button <laughs> Uh, subscribe to Johnny's Outlaw page. Leave us comments below. What did you think about today's episode? (laughs) What do you think about Batman being a lover? And what do you think it means... To be a hero in bed. Uh, Let us know in the comments. We'll love to check that out. And uh, if you are listening to us on Anchor or Spotify or Apple Podcasts, I apologize that you did not get to see Shannon's face this week. (laughs) But at least you got to listen to us and definitely leave Mm -hmm. us some comments there. Uh, Rate us. Give us some stars. It always helps us go up in the rankings. And as always, the best thing that you can do is retweet this video, post it to your friends, put it on your social media pages, let your friends know about Geek Buddies, have them come and join the conversation, uh, and tune in next week for another week of geek there you
0: go as shaggy once said mr bombastic mr lava lava all right thank you all so much for joining (laughs) us Uh, we'll be back next week with another brand new episode of the geek which also don't forget, we've got Loki spoiler review that's coming out. We got Bad Batch uh, reviews coming out with Laura Kelly, Emma Fife joining us for the Loki, Laura Kelly joining us for Bad Batch. We're combining episodes seven and eight of Bad Batch, so that'll be out later on this week as well. Loki dropping tomorrow morning. If you're ge- if you're watching us when we drop this on Wednesday night, we are dropping it Thursday morning for you all to enjoy all day on Thursday. Don't forget about that. All right, we'll talk to you next week with another brand new episode of the Geek Buddy. <laughs>
3: Hey! Nowadays, trends and news cycles change faster than we can blink, but there are some things that withstand the test of time. And if you're looking for a connection to something timeless and maybe also a glimpse of life at a slower pace, I believe everyone can relate to the very human experiences explored in Jane Austen's novels. And that's where I come in. My name is Alison Larkin. I'm a writer, comedian and narrator and host of The Jane Austen Podcast with Alison Larkin. I spent a lot of my childhood in the part of England where Jane Austen lived and wrote, and now that I live in the States, nothing gives me a sense of homecoming quite like narrating her books. On this show, you'll listen to award-winning narration – I'll give myself a pat on the back for that – as well as conversations with actors, writers and other fascinating people who all share a passionate love for Jane Austen. So please, join me as we embark on a wonderful journey through Jane Austen's work. Be sure to listen and subscribe to The Jane Austen Podcast with Alison Larkin, wherever you get your podcasts.